0: The um, title of my message today is The Triumphal Entry, Palm Sunday. Imagine that. (laughs) Triumphal Entry, Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday is also called Passion Sunday. It is also the first day of the Holy Week and the Sunday before Easter, all commemorating Jesus and his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. We're going to read in Matthew 21 and uh, read about this triumphal entry. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there, with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Master or that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill the spoken word through the prophet, Say to the daughter of Zion, See, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey, on the colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their coats on them, and Jesus sat on it. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heavens. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? And the crowd answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. (laughs) So as Jesus enters into um, Jerusalem, he enters in what is called the Eastern Gate, or the Golden Gate, or the Gate of Mercy. And it is that gate that is located, if you're looking at the city of, the walled city of Jerusalem, there is this gate that's kind of sealed over, and that is the gate that he had gone through. Uh, in his time, that was not sealed over, and it, and it opens to the Mount of Olives. So this is where Jesus will be praying in a few days, and they will come and take him um, probably through this gate and into the courtyard where the temple is located. Um, the text also says that Jesus approached the Mount of Olives and he sent two of his disciples to the nearby village to fetch him a donkey (laughs) and to ride the donkey into Jerusalem and the people would place their cloaks um, on the road and palms well the palms um, are laid down before him and represent victory Triumph. triumph peace and eternal life so Whenever we look at the palms, it's sometimes we, well, they're just palms, you know, it's the hand amount on Palm Sunday and people threw them on the road. But everything, everything has a significance. You know, everything has a significance and has stating something. And for the palms, it speaks about how that this is victory, triumph, peace, and eternal life. And they symbolize the victory of our faith and over the enemies of our soul. So it symbolizes a lot of things. So when we're looking at it, it's not just some little thing people turn into crosses. (laughs) It It is a very important symbol. And also, Jesus rode a donkey. You know, he rode a donkey. Well, Jesus was solemnly entering Jerusalem as the humble king of peace. Traditionally, entering the city on a donkey symbolized the arrival of peace rather than, you know, the the emperor coming home on a a white steed or stallion which represented a conquering war uh, hero. So Jesus came uh, representing peace, and so he rode on a donkey. The donkey also represents the authority of God's word, meaning without the authority of God, the the donkey, the, the base of support, the prophet would have no power. The prophet would have no power if he were not supported by the authority of God's word. So the spiritual meaning of the donkey. Well, in contrast to the Grecian works, uh, donkeys were portrayed in biblical works as symbols of service, suffering, peace, and humility. So here is the prince of peace riding an animal that symbolizes peace. Um, they are seen in a positive light throughout the stories in, Jer- in Israel and also the donkey that Jesus is riding or ha- is riding upon, not the particular donkey, but that Zechariah writes about it in Zechariah 9.9, rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion, shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem, lo, your king comes to you, triumphant and victorious is he, humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey so here we have the Prince of Peace we have the 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 animal that he is riding upon symbolizing that and then you have the the palms laid on the road which speak of victorious and triumph so, so you see all of these things all have an imagery that is going on that is that is speaking to the people about Jesus and about what he is doing so it's it's more than just Jesus going for a ride it has a very important significance. We find, and we find that, he says, um, this thou son of David. Now, we would know that Joseph is, the, is not the biological father, but remember whenever we look at, in the, in the New Testament talks about adoption, that, that we are adopted as the, as the children of God. Well, adoption in the um, New Testament sense is saying to us that we have the same rights as the as a child, so the adopted child and the child have exa- equal rights. And so when it's saying that thou son of David, it is declaring that Joseph has adopted, as it were, Jesus as his son. And, but also Mary is of the house and the lineage of David. So we have both husband and wife, but we know that Jesus is not the uh, that uh, Joseph is not the father. But in the lineage, both of them represent. The house of David. And so here is Jesus coming, and he is being declared as the Messiah coming from the house of David. The people cried, Hosanna. Excuse me, I'm really somehow dry today. Uh, the meaning of Hosanna Hosanna comes from the Hebrew word meaning save now, or save us, we pray. So when they are crying, Hosanna, Prince of Peace, he's riding on the animal speaking of peace. He's, the palms speak of victory, the, you know, uh, of, of being a triumph. In, you know, the victory's already won. And now we have them saying, Hosanna to the highest, which again is saying, save us now. Save us now, Jesus. Huh, How about that? Save us. Now, why would they want saved from the Roman government, save from the Roman soldiers? Save us now, Messiah. So all of this is, you know, as we're coming into, walking into Jerusalem with Jesus, we're seeing all of this take place. The, and in, in Psalm 118, 25, it was, it's, it's a psalm that they are um, basically quoting whenever they are saying about Jesus riding into Jerusalem and crying Hosanna. The stone that the builders rejected, this is verse 22, became the cornerstone. So Jesus, the one, the psalm is telling us about how that Jesus will be rejected by the spiritual authorities. And he will be the chief cornerstone. He will be the one that holds it all together. Remember, the cornerstone is not like we put a cornerstone in the corner of a building. But their cornerstone or capstone is an arch in which it is at the top which holds the arch in place. So that Jesus is the stone the builders rejected. The Lord made this happen, and we think it is wonderful. This is Psalm 118. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. The people say, praise the Lord. The Lord saves us, Hosanna. And the meaning of that word, in Hosanna, there, is Lord, please save us. Lord, please save us, Lord. Please make us successful. (laughs) This was a shout of victory to honor the king's return after winning a war. So here is this psalm being declared about Jesus coming back into Jerusalem, and these words are words that are drawn from an Old Testament, you know, this psalm, and they're being declared as Jesus is riding into Jerusalem. Welcome the one who comes in the name of the Lord. The priest answered, we welcome you to the Lord's house. So when Jesus entered Jerusalem, and we, the, following this, you know, in other scriptures, we find where Jesus enters into Jerusalem, and where does he go? He goes to the temple. <laughs> and in uh, one of the Gospels, he goes in there, and he upsets the money changers, and, you know, throws out and says, my house is a house of prayer. But in this psalm, it talks about the Lord is God, and he accepts us. Tie up the lamb for the sacrifice and carry it to the horns of the altar. <laughs> <clears throat> so as you look at this psalm, we find that it, this is, Jesus is fulfilling the psalm. And the psalmist is writing about this, about the Messiah entering into Jerusalem and how uh, they will cry Hosanna. And, you know, this is the stone that everybody rejected. The builders, the People of the of Jerusalem, the priests and the Sadducees, and all of them rejected. And Jesus rides triumphantly in there and goes into the temple, the place where he will be the Lamb of God and placed upon the altar. Wow, Jesus, save us now! So all of these things speak of triumph. Excuse me. All of these things speak of triumph. They speak of victory, they, think of, they speak of success, achievement, conquest. So when Jesus rides into Jerusalem, he is celebrating, he is celebrating who he is, the Messiah, but it is celebrating the past victories, the present victories, the future victories. He's selling, he is the triumphant king of kings that one day he will return in the book of Revelation, he will return riding the white horse, the conquering king, and, you know, return to the earth and, and uh, you know, return with the saints on high and establish his, his throne for a thousand years in the millennial reign. But we find as we look at this, okay, the triumphs. And as I was thinking of, okay, what are the triumphs of Jesus? And I thought of, well, let's go back to the beginning. <coughs> Mary. The triumph of Jesus entering Jerusalem would have never happened if Mary hadn't said, Behold the handmaiden of the Lord. Be it unto me according to your word, said that to the angel Gabriel, that the Holy Spirit will come upon you and overshadow you. And that which is conceived in you is from God, is God. Wow. Then one of the other ones that's so, it's so inspirational is whenever uh, the angel tells Mary, your cousin Elizabeth. She is with child. And so she goes to see Elizabeth and when Mary speaks to Elizabeth, who is carrying John the Baptist, the baby in her leaps to life and it's, the, it's like, whoa, and there's this, there is this declaration on both individuals about, about John the Baptist and about Mary and, and, and her child and all this is going on, and so, wow, triumph. Hmm. How about riding a great distance on a donkey? Here again, we have this donkey. Gee, Mary rides the donkey from Nazareth to Bethlehem. I don't know, I've, I've never been pregnant, ladies, but uh, <laughs> if you want to have a baby, get on a donkey and ride for a few days. <laughs> but what are the chances? You know of a safe travel, of a safe birth. And, all to, uh, and the reason behind all of this is so that the scripture will be fulfilled. Not because Mary and Joseph know that they have to go to Bethlehem. Somehow that foresight was not revealed to them. But it wasn't revealed to them, and, and uh, Caesar made the declaration, everyone has to be taxed, and you've got to go to your hometown. You see, the triumph of Jesus is more than just him riding into Jerusalem. It's every act that went into his life is a triumphal statement because he was born in Bethlehem in a stable, the lowest place that anyone could have as a birth. No one is stationed in their life below Jesus. The poorest of the poor, Jesus Jesus identifies with them. then two years later, or approximately two years later, Jesus is a toddler. And what do they want to do? Herod wants to kill the baby. He's jealous. Another king is born. What happens? Joseph is warned in a dream, and they go to Egypt. Well, how do you afford a trip to Egypt? Well, you have three wise men come from the east and give you gifts of frankincense, gold, and myrrh financed their trip <laughs> to Egypt and took care of them while in Egypt and then they returned to Nazareth. And then we have the temptations of Jesus, triumph. You know, <laughs> we would think, well, how can temptations be triumphant? Well, here we have Jesus in his weakest moments. There, I think there are, there are two really you know, supreme weak moments in the, in the in the life of Jesus and the weakness that he would feel is the weakness in his in, in his personage in his physical being Jesus is still God he took and he laid aside this divinity he set it aside and took on the form of us all of our weaknesses and all of the trials with yet without sin and here in this temptation it's been 40 days he hasn't eaten So he's at his weakest point. And then the other weakest point is whenever he is in the garden and his soul is in great turmoil, knowing the suffering that he is going to undertake, but also knowing the sin of the world, the darkness of death, that people will never have to die and be separated from God. He sweat drops of blood. Those were his two weakest moments, I think, in his human character. But we know that he was triumphant because when the devil came to, uh, to tempt him, the devil says, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to be made to bread. So here in your human weakness, you're hungry, 40 days you haven't eaten. Here, uh, I'll make bread for you. Just turn these stones into bread. The challenge, I think, is here is this created being, Satan, trying to trick the Creator into doing something wrong. It wouldn't seem like it's wrong, but it's, it's a temptation. He says, I, I will, uh, uh, That man shall not live by bread alone. You see, he has a comeback. So in our weakness, the triumph of the life of Jesus is is greater than and more than just his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. The triumph that we have and we celebrate in our lives is because of the triumph of Jesus Christ over every situation that he faces, over every temptation that he encounters, over every difficulty that walks into his life, over every... Person and situation that is there, he is more than a conqueror in those situations. And Paul tells us that's what we are. Because we are in Christ, Christ is in us. We are more than conquerors. (laughs) Then, Then the devil says, You know, I will give you all the authority and splendor. This is the shortcut. The devil is presenting to Jesus a shortcut. You don't need to go to the cross. I'll give this stuff to you now. <laughs> Shortcut. There's a way around this. You don't have to go through this. But Jesus knew that the devil has nothing to give. He only, can, he only has what he stole. And in a short period of time, Jesus will take it back. He will pay the price and he will take back from evil, and he will take back from the devil all that he has taken from humankind, all that he has taken from the people, the individuals that Jesus has created, that God has created to walk with and be with them and to be friends with them. The devil took that away. Jesus, in a couple of years, will die upon the cross, descend into hell, and take back the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And the devil's trying to say, I'll give this to you. and You don't have to go die. You don't have to go through this. Sometimes we are confronted with shortcuts in character, doing things in secret that no one will know and, and bypass this situation. We don't have to really study for that test. We, we can, you know, we have the answers. <laughs> and it's always good to have the answers, but they may be the wrong test. <laughs> so... I like the situation in Luke where Jesus is in a synagogue. So if you can imagine this, Jesus is in a synagogue and there's people all around. And the Pharisees, they come in. They bring with them a man with a withered hand and arm. Okay. So it's the Sabbath. And these individuals aren't looking for a healing. They're looking for a way to condemn or catch Jesus doing something good on a wrong day <laughs> okay so they bring this man in and he's there and Jesus sees him and he knows what's going on he knows their thoughts they he knows that they're trying to find something wrong with him he brings the man over to him and he looks at the guys and he says is it is it right to do good on the Sabbath or to do evil and they won't answer because he's, he's, he's got them trapped and then Jesus says to them to this man, he says, stretch out your arm, and was healed, and these Pharisees, they become frustrated and angry that Jesus healed on the, on the Sabbath, but he didn't say anything, he just said, stretch out your hand, we can't, we can't condemn him for that, <laughs> he is triumphant over physical ailments. We find that he is revolutionary in his thinking, and his ideas. If you want to be triumphant, recognize that blessed are the poor in spirit, wow, for they shall see God. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be fed. Triumphant over relationships, triumphant over attitude. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, And all these things will be added unto you. (laughs) That God has come to live within us among men. God has come to live with us in our hearts and our lives. Love your enemies. Do good to those who despise you. Pray for them. (laughs) Sunday school lesson this morning. Turn the other cheek. (laughs) And the answer to that was, when you are confronted with evil, You don't have to run away from it. If they want to smite you on one cheek, you turn to them the other. We're not backing down. We're going forward. And God will take care of the situation. Forgive and you shall be forgiven. (laughs) Sow the seed in the field, the word of God. (laughs) Here is a declaration. The word of God is seed. And it is sown. You are the soil. Are you a pathway that's trodden and hard? Are you rocky ground which has a little thin covering and the seed, sprouts up and dies because it doesn't have anywhere any roots to be able to grow? How about the thorn? Are you thorny thistle ground in which the word springs forth but is choked out by all the other cares? Or are we this good soil? This good soil that is fertile and that when the seed is planted it grows and it produces a crop and it grows in our lives. And Hosanna, that it is save us now. Make us victorious. Make us prosperous. The word will multiply a hundredfold. Some a hundredfold, some fiftyfold, some thirtyfold. Triumphant how that the word of God works in us. I think when Jesus came across the sea, Galilee, there's a number of things that happen at the sea or on the Sea of Galilee. Once he's with, his, he sends his disciples across, and in the middle of the night there's a storm and he comes walking on the sea. And Peter says, if it's you, Jesus, bid me come. And so he gets out of the boat and he starts walking, but he becomes distracted by the, the wind and the waves. And Jesus reaches out and grabs his hand, and they get in the boat, and the wind and waves are calm. Jesus is victorious, triumphant over the sea, over the normal things that we would consider life. How about the five loaves and two fish? 5,000 people are there, and all we've got is five flat pancakes and two sardines. And Jesus divides it up into 12 baskets and they divide it up to the 5,000 men plus women and children. And when they're done, they have 12 baskets full. How can that be but a triumphant God? So, whenever I think of one of the other challenging places, I think of Mary and Martha whom and Lazarus they were his closest friends outside of the disciples. Peter, James, and John. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. If there were, Those are the six closest individuals to Jesus. Human relationships. Lazarus is sick. And Jesus knows it. And they, Mary and Martha sin for Jesus, but he doesn't come. Lazarus dies. You know... And this is whenever we face those places in life where God could have, but he didn't. And we don't understand. But you see, when Jesus arrived, Mary comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, if you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Jesus confronts her and says, I am the resurrection and the life. Oh yeah, we know he's going to rise at the end. Mary... Do you believe this? Triumphant. Do you believe that he is victorious? Martha comes out, and Martha is the one who is closest to Jesus because a few weeks late, earlier, Martha's there, and Mary's getting, you know, Mary's in the kitchen saying, Jesus, tell Martha to get in here and help. And Jesus, Mar- Mar- Martha, Martha, he says, she, Mary has chosen the, the, the better of the things. She wants to know, Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Jesus, again, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe? You see, part of what we are, and part of what we are challenged with is, what does all this mean? What does all this mean? I mean, look at our life. Look at the situations that have happened. Look at Jesus riding into Jerusalem. They're hollering Hosanna and and throwing palm branches on the ground. And what does it all mean? Well, it means that Jesus is victorious. He is triumphant. That whenever he calls, he calls for Lazarus by name to come out of the tomb Because if he hadn't called for Lazarus, everybody would have marched out of the tomb. And so it is this victorious Jesus who mentions one name and calls one man from the dead. And Lazarus walks out of that tomb. So Jesus comes triumphantly riding into Jerusalem. What Christ has triumphed over, so have we. He says, because I live, you shall live also. There's something greater that we have in our life, greater than we can ever imagine. Something that is beyond our ability to experience until we experience it. That we are, we have the gift of life. We have eternal life. And it is in us. And that life that Christ is, is the life that we share with him every moment of every day, and we will not die. We will be transitioned from this life to the next. Our body may die, but it has nothing to do with life. So when you take this poem, I want you to do something with it. I want you to imagine that you are there at that time frame looking back Through history and lay it before Jesus. And I want you to step on it. And I want you to pray as you stand on that poem, knowing that the palm branch thrown down 2,000 years ago symbolized the triumph of Jesus Christ riding into Jerusalem, the Messiah coming to redeem the nation, to redeem all humankind. And he is going there and in the psalm it says that bind the lamb and take it to the altar and tie it to the altar. Well in a few days Jesus will be the lamb of God on the cross. And we stand on this palm and looking back from our perspective. We know that he is the king of kings. We know that he is the Lord of lords and we know that he rose from the dead. And we can cry Hosanna save us now. God, save us now. Come and heal us now. Restore us now. Whatever we are lacking, whatever we feel left out, whatever is missing in our life, we can cry out in Hosanna and say that to Jesus, that he is my Savior, he is my Messiah, and that he will save us now. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus comes to us In the name of God, our Savior. And we always end our prayers with, in Jesus' name, the name that is above every other name, a name that means life, salvation, forgiveness, restoration. Jesus is asking us, do you believe? (laughs) Mary Martha, do you believe? that I am the resurrection and the life. And it asks us, do you believe that I am the healer, that I am the restorer? Do you believe that I can make all things new? Do you believe that I can come into your life and make a difference in your mind and your heart and in your life? And the challenge is, just like Mary and Martha, we are challenged, do we believe? Do we accept him for who he is? <laughs> Do we accept him? Do we accept his word? The donkey is the word, or symbolizes the word, and Jesus, the Messiah, rides on the word. We have to know the word. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. So as you pray and remember Jesus riding in triumphantly and we laying our palms on the ground, He died on the cross for our sins, and so we know, God, forgive us of our sins. Restore to us the gift of life, the life that is eternal. Step on the palm, and remember 2,000 years ago, Jesus rode triumphantly. Even though he knew what was going to happen, even though he knew the betrayals that were in front of him, he rode triumphantly. The The palm can symbolize for you the mighty act of God, that I am walking the road of life with Jesus. (laughs) Hosanna, save us now. Lord, send now your prosperity. Lord, grant us success. (laughs) Those are the words that go with Hosanna. Hosanna, let that part be in us. And as I read Psalm 18, 118, verse 24 and 25, it's in the Message Bible. It says, thank you. For responding to me, you've truly become my salvation. The stone the masons declared as flawed is now the capstone, the chief cornerstone. This is God's work. We rub our eyes and we can hardly believe it. This is the very day God acted. Let's celebrate and be festive. Salvation now. God, salvation now. Oh yes, God, free us, give us a full life (laughs) in full measure of what you are and the grace and the mercies that you bestow upon me. So do we believe. Whatever it is that is challenging us, whatever challenges our hearts that goes before us and keeps us from that total commitment to Jesus, put that palm down and stand on it and let the triumphant ministry of Jesus Christ and his word ride into your life and keep you strong and walk with you each moment of each day because God loves us that much that he became our savior and would go into Jerusalem to be to be betrayed to be executed and they thought that they won but God has a plan it's friday but sunday's coming <laughs> Father, we thank you for hearing our prayers. Thank you for your word, O God, that speaks to our hearts. Thank you for the triumph that is spoken to us through the word and how that you are more than a conqueror. You are more than victorious. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna to you, O God, our victorious one. We are grateful. We ask your blessing upon our lives. We ask you, O God, to touch us in a very special way. This this holy season, this holy time, let us be mindful of your your sacrifice. And it was all for me. It was all for me. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing my prayer. Thank you, Jesus, for answering my prayer. God, dissolve those barriers we have made. May they go away, and may we experience your great love in our lives. We pray in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Hosanna to God in the highest. Amen.